Welcome, Internet, to the Pixel Play Podcast, your weekly podcast where we get together to cover all the news, rumors, and discussions from this week in video games. I am one of your co-hosts, Kalen, a.k.a. Catastrophe, joined as always by my co-host, Adam, CS Radical. In this week's episode, we are going to be talking about whether or not modders should get paid for their work. We're going to be talking about whether or not Deus Ex is still relevant in 2022, as well as Square Enix selling off some of the stakes in the and franchises if you like that and you want to hear more you can catch us wherever you get your podcast by searching for pixel play podcast or on youtube or spotify if you want to see our lovely faces as we do this um yeah adam i'm gonna kind of go through the rigmarole because i feel like i'm crushing this intro let's just jump right into it how are you doing my friend i'm doing fantastic i'm finally in my own area of playing something that's whipping my ass since you were the demon souls guy for a while or not demon souls uh elden ring elden for ring. a while what do, oh, did you get down the FromSofts? No, actually. Well, what are you playing? I'm doing Returnal. Oh, how is that? I love it. It's really? whipping my ass, but I love it. See, it did not grip me at all when I played it. Like, I rented it from the library once again, support your local library. I, I got it, and I, I it did not jive with me at, at, at all. How far did you have you gotten so far? I'm still running through the second world now. Okay, I never got past the first world. I got to the final boss twice. Yeah, um, I had I had a few runs with the final boss. I've also been doing it with a friend on and off. So I've had it's okay. it's actually kind of fun doing it with two people because it's just a it's a whirlwind watching stuff go around. It's also nice to have somebody take some of the fire away from you for a little bit. It, um, so like quick impressions. What are you thinking so far? Clearly, you're liking it. What's your early impressions of the game? I feel very similar to how when I was playing Control. The feeling of playing that game is really solid. the The actual combat itself is very very fluent. Mm-hmm. it's still a matter of getting used to things like keeping an eye on what's around you because it's very easy for something to pop up behind you and surprise you. Mm-hmm. And there's still a bunch of things in terms of the mechanics and all the items you pick up that I still got to find, like what's a decent build, what works more often than not. I just grab like the best weapon that's available to me. And then I'll grab things that usually either help me heal or raise my health. I don't really think too much further beyond that right now because uh, I'm trying not to die. So I'm not really concerned about anything else at this point. Yeah, I think for me, and maybe I just didn't get further enough into the game or I didn't understand it enough, but the thing that kind of drew me away from it was that I felt like I wasn't carrying any progression uh, in between my runs. Like, certainly I was getting better, I was becoming more familiar, but I felt like there wasn't a lot of transfer from round. Like, I like Deathloop because when you play Deathloop, you brought stuff with you to the next round and with um elden ring like any item i collect is mine i lose my runes that are used for upgrading and purchasing but any sort of items i collect i keep whereas i felt with returnal they just said nope you get kicked back to the start with nothing in your pockets is that did i get a right assumption or or did i miss something no that's kind it's it is kind of that similar thing that would like a lot of from software games and stuff like that do where it's just you're making a run of it but unless you get to a certain point you're not progressing anything so Hmm. It, there there were definitely runs where it was pretty deflating because we had a lot of good gear and just out of nowhere, you just hit like some room that just like that perfect progression of enemies, that perfect setup just flattens you and you're staring at all the stuff and you're like, no, I really like that setup. That gun was so good. And then you're like just a little bit salty. So there were, there, there's been a couple of times where I'm like, okay, this is the point where we're putting the game down because I'm a little bit annoyed. Not because, you know, the game's trash, just because I'm like, that was a good run and I, and I screwed it up. 
Yeah, like that's the problem I had with with Returnals. I felt like it wasn't respecting my time in the sense that there was no progression carryover. And you had to start from the beginning at every single time. Like with Elden Ring, the thing I find is that like I there's checkpoints like you get those bonfires or grace sites or whatever. And that's like a safe point like that is progression where I can come back to this point. I don't start right back from the beginning where I felt Returnal was like, nope, you're going right back to world one level one. Well, thankfully, because the levels are randomly generated now, you'll start seeing similar setups to the map, but they're never going to be in the Hmm. same order. And the items are always going to be different. The enemies are always going to be slightly altered. So I think because it's different every time, it doesn't feel necessarily like I'm repeating the same process. And because the gameplay is very fluent, it doesn't bother me nearly as much because it is pretty fun. And again, Mm -hmm. I'm also playing it with a friend, so it's easy to bounce off of as well when you have somebody else to share the, the wealth or the pain with at the same time. Fair enough. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I I do wonder if I, if I just played it solo, if I'd eventually put it down because if I didn't get through enough runs, eventually I'd be like, Mm -hmm. well, this is stupid. I'm getting nowhere. I think because it's with other people, it's helping. Yeah, that's a, that's a very fair point. Um, I'm going with my experience of, you know, doing my solo, uh, play style and playthrough. So I'm glad you're enjoying it though. I'm still tracking my way through Elden Ring. Uh, I feel like I'm hitting a wall in terms of, I don't know where to go. Like my one gripe, the game is that there's not a linear progression. Like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go, where I'm supposed to be, or even if I'm supposed to be where I am right now, like you're free to go wherever you want, but Elden Ring doesn't want you to go to certain places at certain times. And they don't tell you other than just eating your head in. And so you have to like, know it's like, is this hard? Cause it's from soft or is it hard? Cause I'm not supposed to be here yet. Uh, so that's like my one gripe with the game that I have so far, but otherwise I'm still in it. I am just now committed 100%. I am just going to go through this with a guide. Uh, I was kind of peeking back and forth to guides as I needed to, but now I'm just, I think I'm just going to guide it the whole way. It's been long enough. It's been a while. I think I'm like 40 hours into the game, maybe 50 at this point. I think I'm level 60, something, 67, 68. I don't know. I'm well, loving it though. It's a it lot of fun. It doesn't count unless you've at least beaten it four times, you know? <laughs> my goal, I, I said, I think my goal was on this game is just to get to the final boss, not necessarily beat it. So we'll see. <laughs> like, but I'm watching, like, I'm going in deep now. I'm watching, like, build videos. I'm watching, I'm reading guides. Like, it's getting bad and it's deep, that lore. Like, there are some people who take that really seriously. And good for you. I appreciate it. It's not me though. Nope. It won't be me I'm either, either getting to the. I'm either getting to the final boss or when Last of Us Remaster comes out, I'm dropping this. Like, that's that's where I'm setting it up. It's always amazing to me when you see people that are so deep into the lore of this because I'm like, man, I've played Destiny for, like, thousands of hours and I still don't know half the shit that happens in that game. I'm just like, heh, stuff, go boom. Yeah, exactly. So I have till September 2nd and then done. I'm, I'm going, I'm moving on. Make way for Last of Us. Uh... Adam, let's just jump into this week. We got a couple of stories, uh, some of them bigger than others. So I figured we just kind of get rid of the smaller ones first. Uh, the first question I have for you is, is Deus Ex still relevant in 2022? Uh, so this is coming from uh, WCCFTech.com. Uh, Deus Ex may return under Embracer. Uh, they write, uh, following Embracer's group purchase of Square Enix Western AAA Studio, most of the focus has been on what might happen to Crystal Dynamics in the Tomb Raider franchise. But what about Eidos Montreal? With another Guardians of the Galaxy game likely off the table, what might be uh, they might be tackling next? Well, according to Jeff Grubb on the latest episode of his Game Mess Morning Show, it seems they may be looking going back to the franchise that they are best known for, Deus Ex. 
While everything's still very early, Embracer said that it, uh, said to be much more open to bringing back Adam Jensen and Idos Montreal is fired up to do so to do what Cyberpunk 2077 couldn't with the sci-fi RPG sphere. They quote, we don't know really what to expect from the Embracer-owned Crystal Dynamics Eidos Montreal. It's early. The rumblings I've heard. They want to get right back into Deus Ex. They want to do what Cyberpunk 2077 couldn't. And that's uh, word going around. So, Adam, my question to you is, do we need another Deus Ex? Does Deus Ex, is it relevant in 2022? Is it relevant right now? I'd say no. But that's also because the last time that it was really shown off was Mankind Divided. And it kind of just existed and then left pretty quickly but when human revolution came out it was a big deal like a lot of people were really into that one that got a lot of attention a lot of high praise a lot of good scores i think there's a place for it still especially because it as a first person shooter if it's done well it can definitely be done differently compared to a lot of other games because of the setting that it has a bit more obviously cyberpunk is now existing in, in its own world too but this is more of a i guess like um like a spy meet cyberpunk sort of thing. Like it has that kind of like stealth action mixture to it as well. I do think there's a home for it. And if it's done well, there will clearly be a place for it. I mean, there's honestly a place for any game that is willing to put, you know, a nine or a 10 out of 10 level gameplay, because I mean, if it's really that highly praised, it's pretty hard for it to go unnoticed. It's pretty rare that especially something from a triple a studio would come out and is high praise and falls under the radar. You know, even, I'm trying to think if there really even would be an example of that because if they are that good and it's AAA, it gets shoved down your throat so bad that you know you got to buy it. So because of because of the name and because of the companies that it's from, I think it still has a shot at it. But if this was something that being was taken over by like a much smaller studio, it might have fallen through the cracks. But I think there's still a chance, depending on how Embracer markets this, assuming also the game is good, which is the other key. See, I... I'm on the other side of the camp. I think this should be what their next project is. I know there's rumors that they might be doing something else, doing a new franchise. I think Deus Ex needs to come back right now. I think this is the perfect time. I think we're seeing a bit of a resurgence with, excuse me, a resurgence with the cyberpunk genre with cyberpunk 2077, but we're seeing a bunch of other games as well. Um, like the ascent, like cyberpunk is huge. We got stray coming out. Like cyberpunk is getting to be very popular. And this genre, you know, this is one of the first, if not the first cyberpunk game that I can think of, um, or at least one of the big ones. And so I think, yeah, now is a perfect time for them to come out with that theme, that story, that area. And to be honest, the Deus Ex games are good. Like they're actually quite good. Um, and I think they do better than what cyberpunk tried to do. Like if you're looking for a cyberpunk esque RPG, I think Deus Ex does it better than anybody else. Granted, there's some issues with um, mankind. No, it was mankind divided and human revolution. Human revolution was the first one. Human Revolution, the problem with that is that they had boss levels that, you know, kind of pigeonholed that you had to kind of go in guns blazing. You couldn't do it. But aside from that, you want to hack your way through the game and just go through doors and hack systems. You don't have to shoot a gun and you want to be snelt and sneak through. Totally viable. And I think the other thing that Deus Ex does really well is that they are those games that are in the perfect length of time. They typically take about 30 to 40 hours for an RPG, which is something you don't often see. So to have these like small bite size, not bite size, but small achievable games that are flexible, like I think that's something that would very much jive with today's gamers. I think the problem with human with mankind divided was that it got mo like bogged down with all that pre-order crap and the fact that you had to have an Excel spreadsheet to get everything and like levels were cut out like in critical levels. Like there was one where it was supposed to be about 
um, you're getting into a bank heist or something like that to kind of get the motives of the terrorists that you're supposed to stop. And that got cut as a pre-order bonus. And like, that doesn't make any sense. Like that was an integral part of the story. So I think, I think mankind divided was a victim of the marketing and it was actually a really good game. Like I still think that city of Prague is one of, if not the best, one of the best open world maps that you can have. Like you start to know the streets and the areas. So like, I feel like with gameplay, like things like dishonored coming through prey, like where you've got these small memorized uh, or easy to remember like maps to go through. I think Deus Ex kind of does deserve to come out now and kind of hit while the iron's hot. So I think if they're not working on this right now, that ship is going to sail because cyberpunk is a big moment right now. And I think if CD project red has a chance to kind of, do it again they'll they'll do it even better and i think now would be a good time to do it yeah i mean my biggest complaint always with with those games even going back and playing human revolution i would probably say the same thing not none of these games that we're talking about deus ex cyberpunk etc none of them have what i consider to be a really good shooting system a lot of them still feel very weighty a little bit like more of an rpg setup rather than an actual shooter which if that's hmm. what they're going for is fine i mean if it's going for what say like follow does as well sure but they don't control that well. And if one of them actually would control more like a traditional shooter and being a lot more fluent, I think they could definitely stand themselves apart. If Deus Ex decided to go with a little more of a straight like emphasis on, on the shooting mechanics, I think it could work well. Cause I don't, I don't see why you can't do a solid shooting setup and still, and not be able to keep the, the RPG elements. I can't see why that's a problem. That's why when I played cyberpunk, I was so shocked by how I didn't like how it controlled. It was fine, but it wasn't like what I would expect a game from today is to be like. I'm waiting to go get it on PC eventually is to maybe try it out there. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's because a mouse and keyboard would be better suited for it. Sure, that could always help too. But like, I feel like in this day and age, a controller first-person shooter should not feel like the old Resident Evil games where it's a little bit slow on the aiming and the, and the, and the assist isn't really there. So you're, you feel like you're missing more than you're hitting, which you really should not be feeling in a, in a first-person shooter. See, I never found that when I was playing the games. I, I felt the controls were fine, but I I do like those heavier sort of first-person shooters. Like, the kill, like Killzone had that same sort of critique, and I never had a problem with the Killzone shooting mechanics. So it might just be me, but... It could be. I think, it also, I think it's also like it's not necessarily designed to be a first... Like, Sure, you can play it as a first-person shooter and just go through and killing everything, but it's designed more as a stealth kind of game, I think. Sure, but like I, it's it's like a, the question that I just asked. I don't understand why all these games come out with a shoot with a shooting mechanical system that feels hmm. like something that was made ten years ago, rather than what we see with like Call of Duty, Destiny, and other games like that that are a lot more fluent, a lot more fast-paced. Because you can do both. You can have the stealth and still have you know that very fluent like good in your hands at all time shooting mechanic because like mm. i get it you're i guess i guess the idea with this these kind of games is that you're not supposed to just be able to get like instant headshots and every fight's done immediately but at the same time i also shouldn't feel like i'm struggling just to hit the chest you know yeah that's a fair point but yeah i, I think mean i'm down for any deus ex game that comes out because i mean we've talked about this i think we talked about this before on the show i can't because I can always mix up with cartridge and quarters too now these days. Um, Check it out every Saturday morning. They really should. If if honestly, if I wanted to start anywhere with Deus Ex, remake the first game from, right. from scratch. Because right. so many That's people exactly. aren't aware of the originals anymore. 
Well, not only that, like, I think the, the other problem too is that I tried playing, like, so I have a weird history with Deus Ex. I actually, the first one I played was Invisible War and I liked it. Um, and then eventually came the, the PS3 version that played those. The PS, was Mankind, Mankind Divided was on PS4, right? Yes, I believe. Yes. It might have been on both generations, but yeah, it was definitely a four Maybe. release. Moot point, it doesn't matter. The, the key point takeaway was that, like, I didn't play Deus Ex the first one until... I don't know. I'd probably say like 2016, give or take, maybe a little bit earlier, but like mm. 10, 15 years after the game came out and it doesn't hold up. Like it doesn't hold up in the sense that like graphics are very, very jarring. The gameplay is hit or miss. Like it's got a lot of like archaic things. And this is what I always say. Like gaming is an iterative art form. So, you know, it doesn't hold up to modern day gaming standards, but yeah, I think you're totally right first thing you do is you make remake that first beloved game because even people who don't like the original like the new deus ex like the original one and i think that's an easy layup slam dunk that's how, that's yeah how it would definitely works, right? be a good starting point if you wanted to get people to at least get like some investment already into the game when it first releases because at least you got the hardcores wanting to see the original brought back to life and then you also get a few people being like Oh, I've heard of this series. Yeah, Mankind of... I didn't like that that much, but I've heard so much that apparently the original games on PC were really good. Screw it. Well, I'll take a look at that. Yeah. I think it's a way to bridge bridge both gaps there and try to get a good chunk of people in. Now, again, make it good, obviously, but that's always the biggest challenge with anything like that. And especially if you're taking a remake uh, path towards things, you know they're going to take that with a fine-tooth comb as well. So it's it's also a risk-reward. So I wouldn't be shocked if, if they're continuing a Deus Ex and they just start over again with a brand new character, maybe. But, mm-hmm. like, I think it would be the best way, if you were going to do a perfect job, to go with the first game and do it over again to really get the nostalgia hit and on top of that, like, show, like, hey, this is what Deus Ex is going to be from now on. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you've totally sold me on it. So hashtag remake Deus Ex. Done. Turn it right now. I mean, I got the money for it, right? <laughs> yeah, let's start that trend right now. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, Square Enix is having a bit of a firehouse sale. So this is coming to us from the good people over at VGC, uh, Chris Skullian. Square Enix has reportedly confirmed it's looking to sell stakes in its studios. Called this one, by the way. Uh, so the publisher held a conference call on Friday to discuss its most recent financial results. And following the Japan call-based analyst, David Gibson took to Twitter to summarize its plans. According to Gibson, the sale of Crystal Dynamics and Eidos to embrace, to Embracer Group was phase one of Square Enix plan, and phase two will be to diversification of studio capital structure. Rising development costs of making game uh, games means with 100% owned studios, they need to be selective and concentrate resources, which limits expansion, Gibson wrote. Uh, as such, the publisher will be doing a studio portfolio review. He added, some studios remain 100%, uh, while others change uh, equity method or joint venture, Gibson explained, adding that Square Enix will also exp- look to explore and expand the studio portfolio. Um, so, Adam, my thought to you, uh, with them sort of selling stake into their franchises, I thought we might be able to talk about some of their franchises, which ones they think they would sell equity or parts of, which ones they're going to keep close to their chest. I thought we'd kind of go down that way. Uh, so there's a good number of um, ones here. I thought I'd just kind of go down some of the larger ones. Uh, we'll keep it anything that sold over, I'd say, maybe 
yeah, we'll say we'll say over one million sales. So I'll I'll read through it. You're the uh, JRPG Square Enix guy, so you can kind of tell me if you think Square Enix would keep this to themselves, or if they would sell the equity in it, or if they uh, if you would even buy this franchise. Okay. I'm gonna so, I'm gonna say sell all of them because as cartridge and quarters is gimmick to be, uh, everything about Square is us venting about it. So uh, sell it all, sell the whole damn company. Yeah. So. First one and their biggest one, Final Fantasy. Do they sell a stake in Final Fantasy? Well, I mean, given their major uh, divisions that they have for it, I feel like that's probably the untouchable. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see them doing anything with that unless they wanted to be like, hey, do you like if you have a studio that wants to make like a small like side thing to it? And even then, I don't think they want to do that because that's kind of their baby, even though they kind of hate it sometimes, it seems, with the way that how they release these games. So. I feel like that one's an untouchable. See, this is one I can see maybe them actually selling a stake into and selling it to Sony. Sony saying, hey, we want that exclusivity. We want Final Fantasy. Well, yeah, if we're talking exclusivity, Disney. that's different. No, no, but I could I could see them saying, like, hey, we're going to do a partnership where Sony's going to start partnering with us. You know, they've got a good studio. They've got, a good, they've got good studios with good pedigree. You could kind of say, hey, we want in on this Final Fantasy thing. We want to lock it down for us. I feel like if that was going to be the case, it would just be buying this, buying the company outright. I feel like Final Fantasy is one of those ones that would be a lot harder to get in touch with. Fair enough. Uh, next one on the list, Dragon's Quest. No, that's that's also like super Japan heavy. I think it's similar to Final Fantasy, where it's just untouchable, but it's a border untouchable. Fair enough. Kingdom Hearts. That one's you're going through Disney, so no goddamn way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm gonna skip some of the ones that are. Oh my God, Gex sold 15 million copies. <laughs> sure, sell it. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm not including those ones. Like anything like Tomb Raider, Hitman, Gex. I'm not focusing on that. Uh, saga? Is that is that the Saga series is kind of like the the odd man out. It's there's a few of their franchises that they just kind of throw. That could easily be a hey, you want to take this license, have fun with it kind of scenario because they haven't really done a lot with it. I mean, it's okay. not like they aren't doing anything with it, but it's also a matter of like. Most people don't know when it when a new game is coming out for it. Like if it gets announced, people are like, "Oh, that's a thing." Cuz I think right now I think they just recently re-released like some sort of a remake of one like not too long ago. And I think they might be doing another remake of something. I don't think they're doing anything new with that license though. So I mean, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that if somebody came up to them and be like, "Hey, do you want to stick this off their hands?" they'd think about it. Would, is it something that would be worth buying then if that like because i mean i never heard well of if you want me to least. honestly say if it's worth buying uh the answer is most likely no unless you're selling in japan because west western wise i don't i haven't really seen this make any ground like the only one i can think of which uh f- also funny story this game actually started as the final fantasy legend series on game boy back in the day that's mm-hmm. actually the original name for it the only one that i can remember being like taken remotely seriously was like romancing saga when it was on super nintendo since then like unlimited saga i guess sold copies because there was a trailer for final fantasy 10 2 in it and that's how i got my copy of it but like it has not been a relevant jrpg in at least 20 years at least in the yeah. west i'm i'm sure it might be in other parts of the world but it's definitely not here yeah it has sold five, 9.9 million games across its franchises uh, since 1989 with 15 games. And I'd games, be willing 12... to bet that 75% plus is Japanese bots. Yeah. Or Japanese so they, buys. 
they say that there's 15 games, 12 of them being originals, three of them being remakes, and the last one being Imperial Saga from 2015. Yeah, that's not a uh, good sign. Next one down the list, once again, skipping some of the uh, Western ones, uh, the Mana series. Mana, I could, I could see that, although similar thing to saga it hasn't been really relevant in a long time i mean secret of mana was a big thing on the super nintendo back in the day a lot of people remember that but <laughs> like a lot of the ones they've done recently i know they recently like remade i can't remember which one specifically it was but they again like it's just they're okay games but again they're not they're not lighting the world on fire because what was the recent one? It was Trials of Mana, which was... What was... I'm looking it up here. What was it? Of the same name? Oh, it's... Oh, it's oh, it's Seiken Densetsu 3. That's why I'm forgetting, because I'm used to the Japanese version of it. So, like, they've, they've definitely gone for the nostalgia factor. I feel like this is a similar case, too, where it's like, if anybody's going to take a stake in that, it might be through J- Japan and not out here. Yeah uh next one chrono the chrono series no because square doesn't ever want to see another chrono game in his life cycle why do you think that is uh because it's been 25 years and all they did is throw a re a remaster of cross that was an absolute dumpster fire they'd rather just is, wait they'd rather just wait another 20 years and re-release chrono trigger onto whatever console's out now and then that'll be it you'll be able to play chrono trigger you know, in VR with you playing it on a Super Nintendo on a TV, and that's the closest you're going to get to a Chrono game again. But, I mean, in all seriousness, I wish they would, because they aren't doing anything with the license. Now, this might be, my argument would be, this might be a viable candidate, then, for an investment from an outside source. They're not using it, and I feel like the Chrono series has a lot of cachet, that if you said, hey, we're making a new Chrono Cross, we're making a new Chrono game, people would be like, oh, man, holy cow, I'm going to be buying this. Oh, if I'm putting the jokes to the side, I would love nothing more than for somebody to do it, and it would be smart to do so because fans are clamoring yeah. still to this day. There are people yeah. our age and older that grew up with Trigger on Super Nintendo and are pissed that it's been... Actually, what's how long has Chrono Cross been? 1999. Oh, God. So 23 <laughs> years. 23 years. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And I mean for a return on investment like they've done three video games three mini games two books one manga series and it's sold 5.4 if some company wants to take the license off of square make a passable game and you win like that's just that's that's how desperate we are now just make a passable game the story doesn't have to make sense because it's chrono trigger or chrono cross they never did make sense because it's time travel time travel isn't supposed to make sense fair enough yeah that's one I could see them totally selling some stake into and letting someone take the reins on that one and just make the money off of it. I'm doing all the prayers. Uh, next one, uh, Star Ocean. Similar story. I wish someone would because they do a goddamn horrible job with it. The difference is, is they're actually making Star Ocean games still and they're all bad. Yeah. I still can't understand. Like, and I think me and Chris talked about either last episode or the episode before. I don't understand how in this day and age, there's no good space JRPGs anymore. Fantasy Star doesn't exist anymore just other than the online games. Star Ocean's really all that's left in terms of turn-based JRPGs. And it's horrible. How do you screw up space? So yes, similar similar thing to Chrono. Aren't they making- Please. Are they making a Star Ocean right now? They are, and it looks yeah. horrible. It looks bad. 
It looks bad. I think that what, what, I'm trying to think which show that was. That might have been that might have been Summer Game Fest last year. And I think I watched I think the trailer it, and went, "That looks like a no, PS2 was, game." What the that shit? That was this year. That was this year. Either way, it looked like a PS2 game, and I was very upset. Yeah. Uh, next ones they have going down the uh, thing here. Uh, Parasite Eve. Parasite Ooh, Eve. That would be a fun one. Yeah. Because I mean, I think that one. That's one I think that I could see them selling. Like it does, it doesn't do huge blockbusters. It's averaging like a little bit more than one million sales per game, roughly. I mean, again, uh, we're we're super like fantasy booking here. Put that in the hands of Capcom. That's a team that can do num- wonders with that. They know how to yeah. do guns and horror. Um, Act Razor. I don't even remember what Actraiser is. <laughs> okay, we'll pass that one. Uh, side-scrolling platformer, action, role-playing. I know of the games, but I've, I could not tell you what it looked like. Fair enough. So, uh, uh, sure. Cool. Xenogears. Oh, that's another one. That's another one that people wish would get brought back. So, yeah, similar to Star Ocean and, and Chrono, please. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to kind of, so we've hit the ones over 1 million or kind of go through, I'll go through just can to see I, if can I, I'll, you know what I'll throw, I'll throw in the two things here. Cause throw um, yeah, throw some that you think that are going to happen. Cause I feel so, like no, I'm just picking through. I mean, for those who don't know, they have like their creative business units, which is how they focus all their attention. So like there's, to my knowledge from whatever I've been reading, there's four and they split them up. Like one covers all the single player, like major games from like final fantasy, kingdom hearts, all that stuff. One is covering more of, um, of Dragon Quest Nier and the Bravely series. One's covering usually MMO, so they've been focusing mostly on uh, 11, 14 Dragon Quest builders. Apparently, they're also transitioning to Final Fantasy 20, or not 26, uh, 16. God, I wish it's 26. Maybe would have had a turn-based JRPG in that point. And then four is mostly focusing on mana, which is not really doing much. So I don't know if anything in that area is really what's being touched. I think it's more if you'd be looking at some of their subsidiaries that are still remaining. The two that stand out to me would be Tokyo RPG Factory and Luminous Productions. So for those that don't know, Tokyo RPG Factory did I Am Setsuna and Lost Sphere, and the last thing they did was Oninaki, which uh, was like this free-to-play anime-ish JRPG thing that was kind of horrible and didn't do anything. Apparently they are working on an untitled fourth game, but they haven't had a strong showing. That's the kind of thing that if they got away from like corporate oversight, like if somebody was like small, or if they sold them off to like a company that lets them just go do their thing, I think that could be a helpful thing. The other one is luminous, which will be very interesting whenever Forspoken comes out, because that's what they're currently working on. The only other thing they were doing is 15. So I think they kind of split them off to do Forspoken. It would be very interesting to see what happens with that studio, depending on how Forspoken does when it's released those are the two that would stand out not good it's not gonna do good it doesn't look like it's gonna do good no no i mean the the only way it does good is if it actually is a critically acclaimed game and then that can get some get some buys back i don't see it though the way that this game keeps looking this is in the skull and bones category where the best thing to do is just release it and let it go like stop trying to think the only other thing and you've missed the boat is just wait for a dead period like this game should have come out now when there's really not much coming out and then have them it's moment in the f- sun for well, that tells you how unfinished worth. that game probably is then right like 
I mean, releasing it anytime between September and I'd say March is a bad idea. The only interesting thing I could think of otherwise, and this would be a very fun idea. There's also Square Enix Image Studio Division, which is where they do their their feature films. Putting oh, yeah, a stake in movie. that and like Spirits having like within. a separate thing of being able to like make outside movies because they don't really do much and whenever they do them, they're horrible. So somebody else potentially having some control over it might be an interesting thing to do. Because for those who don't know, the only real things that they did on their own, like they do a lot of the cutscenes, like that's their big thing. They've been doing cutscenes for, hmm. they've been doing it since seven all the way up to, unfortunately, Balan Wonderland, which or Wonder World, which was a, a fantastic game that everyone loved. As much sarcasm as I can throw in there. Um, yeah, but the I only two feature films they did was Avon Children, which was a Final Fantasy VII spinoff, and was, look, it's bad, but it's like a fan service movie. That's what you came to watch. You just came to watch an entire video game cutscene length of feature film that just has your favorite seven characters. That's all you did. You didn't watch it thinking it was going to be a good plot. The other one was King's Glaive for Final Fantasy XV, and it was hot garbage because you needed to watch that before you played the game, but they didn't happen to tell you that. So if you went and watched it later, you weren't that much better off anyway. You were just like, oh, wow, this story sucked. Hey, here's this game that I also got. That story sucked. I guess it's a perfect match. So honestly, that could also be an interesting thing to throw some money towards just to see what happens with a little different oversight would look like in that company. But because I guess they're also just really in charge of doing a lot of the cutscenes for their major games, that probably wouldn't be a thing. But even just to like, even by, you know, you know what? It would be really interesting because you were talking Final Fantasy at the start. If they would be able to willing to sell off rights to say making feature films like Sony now has a movie division. That could be an interesting mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Didn't they also do the, the Final Fantasy Spirits Within? Uh, it's not on the wiki, so I'm willing to bet that, that was something else entirely or the studio opened up after that movie. Because I'm seeing it here uh, under Wikipedia uh, from Square Pictures. Yeah, so that probably would have been the original company before mm. it was changed over. Fair enough. Where do you fall in the Spirits Within movie? Uh, they're all bad. Honestly, all three <laughs> of the movies are bad. Spirits okay. Within is the worst. They're all bad. At least having children you can service just because... You know, there's cool fights in it. See, I don't know. I This is going to be a hot take, but like, I haven't watched it in years. And this is like, I was in high school when this came out. I'm willing to and bet that, if I watched it, it might be different too, but I'm not willing to. <laughs> well, I haven't, I like, I thought it was like impressive at the time. Like, looked cool, cool visuals. Like, it was an impressive looking movie. I had never played a Final Fantasy game. I had no idea what the hell it was about, but I'm like, this is cool. And like, I'm not going to watch it again because I don't think it's going to hold up, but. At the time, I liked it. Got like I, ghosts I, and all I remember when I first saw the movie was, gee, this is really dark and violent for a Final Fantasy thing. And then realizing this has nothing to do with Final Fantasy. What the fuck am I watching? The planet Earth develops a ghost hand that the ghost, the Earth ghosts start stealing people's souls. It's great. That's how Final Fantasy is. Yeah, it felt it? more like a Mortal Kombat movie at that point. This came out right around the time that Linkin Park had like points of authority and they did that video and i'm like this is the dopest shit ever i was getting into warhammer and stuff it was fantastic there was a whole vibe in you know what they, they missed the boat they should have made instead of making a feature film they should have just been making cg videos Link- for uh for music videos for lincoln park that was go. where they missed their call there you go 
Honestly, they should have made a Warhammer movie. That's what would have done gangbusters. Has no? Has there never been a Warhammer movie? I don't think there has. Google right now. Has there been a Warhammer movie? That seems like a missed opportunity. Apparently, there was one in 2010 that I've never heard of. Yeah, I'm seeing. Oh, it's here. a British movie. Okay, that's probably why none of us have heard of it. It's 70 minutes. Honestly, I feel like a, I feel like. I'm surprised. I'm totally with you. I'm surprised Warhammer has not gotten into like movies. Given how many games exist for it, you think somebody would would go to go to I don't know what company owns them, but being like, hey, Games Workshop, perfect, going up to them and be Got like, you. hey, we want to make a movie. Give give yeah. us give us some designs of armor. We'll go have fun with it. We'll go just make like Dune, but with Warhammer. Like I don't even think you need to make it that smart. Like target this for like the 16 year old like kids who just want to see Space Marines fighting and stuff i mean honestly like, start with animated first because you know it might actually look better when you're not worrying about who's casted in what role yeah that's fair um no i could totally see it like there's a there's a huge amount of novels and stuff like that I'm surprised or even making it like a show but yeah warhammer untapped resource for for movie potential i'd be interested get on a square enix studios i don't even, i'm not even a big fan of warhammer but the aesthetic would be great in a movie so you know what i'd yeah. be down yeah like warhammer is one of those things i've always thought it was cool like galactic war just constantly going on in grim dark it's a little over the top at times but like it's cool like i gravitate towards that and there was that one the warhammer game on the ps3 and that was a really good game vermintide what was that called oh not vermintide what was the, i think it was just called space marine yeah there was a space marine one yeah warhammer 40k space marine that game was okay actually pretty good with a thumbs up also shout out as well for talking warhammer's actually had some pretty good games like the dawn of war series like that was really good too. They've definitely started yeah. to hit their stride, it seems, because like any trailer that we've seen recently for Warhammer games, I look, look, I have no idea what the stuff is, but goddamn, does it look like they're trying now? Looks cool. Honestly, Warhammer is this is like the most dense but also simplest like lore there is. It's basically anything that doesn't look like you is bad. It's really that's all it is. Like the Space Marines hate everything. Everybody hates each other. That's basically what it is. It boils down to that. Seems straightforward to me. I'm down. It's pretty straightforward. Make a movie. So, let's go. Yeah. There you go. We got it. Let's get the rights on that. Get Brock. Get get Brockheimer on it. Get him on the phone. Uh, last one here. Probably the biggest news of the week. Um, this is coming from Gamespot. Uh, by Jessica Howard. Uh, the Sims 4 newest policy update is causing tension and panic among mod users. So uh, on July 21st, EA published an update to the Sims 4 policies regarding modding and content creation. While the post stated that EA understands mods are an important part of the player experience and outlined how players can re-enable mods following them being automatically disabled after the Sims 4's newest update, it also established a new set of rules for content creators and modders, and not everyone is happy about them. Per EA's new guidelines, the Sim 4, Sims 4 custom content creators are no longer allowed to promote mods in any way that suggests that they are endorsed by or affiliated with the Sims, Maxis, or Electronic Arts. As such, creators are prohibited from using any game logos or trademarks, including versions of the Plumbob or key art designs to promote their creations. While this might be an inconvenience for modders, the second set of terms is, provo- is proving far more controversial. According to the post, all content creators by modders must now be distributed to the public free of charge. Modders can no longer be sold licensed, 
no longer, excuse me, mods can no longer be sold, licensed, or rented for a fee, nor can they contain features that support monetary transactions of any type. EA added that creators are free to recoup their development costs by running ads on their websites to generate revenue and donations, just so long as whatever in-game content they create is not behind a paywall. So this sparked a ton of people getting upset. Uh, one modder reached out to the Sims community uh, and they said, no, you cannot have Patreon. So I guess some of them do Patreon stuff um, where you know you pay them and you can get early access to that. Uh, one of the people on the chat said that that is not acceptable. GameSpot has confirmed though that uh, EA has confirmed the Sims 4 modders are permitted to continue using early access pay periods through things like Patreon. But yeah, a lot of people are upset. Um, Adam, do you think modders should be allowed to charge for their work? Oh, God. That's a loaded question, isn't it? Because here's the problem, right? Mods, for the most part, are supposed to be kind of like an expression of how much you like the game. They originally were designed to be free. Hmm. I do think that there is a place to pay modders for their work. I would be willing to do like a tip system. I think that's what Patreon's supposed to be. But like the idea was that for a lot of these cases, because I read a little bit into this to try to like see like what was happening. Because I'm like sort of versed in Sims, but I'm not like deep enough to know really what was going on with a lot of like what modding uh, modding communities were doing. From what I understood, like the problem was is that you were allowed to have like a two week early access thing, but you had to like make it free after that. And a lot of creators would not. They would just permanent paywall it, which hmm. is basically saying, hey, if you want this mod, you have to pay for it. I think that's the issue. I don't believe that in a game that they didn't produce that you should be charging just for something. There should be some way to get that thing at some point for free. I don't think that that's you're allowed to. I don't think you should be allowed to have it permanently behind a paywall. I think hmm. that part I can agree with. Like, no matter what, no matter how big the mod is, no matter how transformative it is, the game is not your personal property, so I don't believe it's fair from a leg- from a legality standpoint to just charge 15 bucks for this and say, hey, if you want this, go get it. You know, I think there's a way to, you know, and, and like I said, Patreon exists. Like, you can just tip people, right? Like, I don't mm. think there's any any problem with that. I think the problem is is that is at least in this specific case with the EA, where I actually am willing to agree with them on this, it shouldn't be locked behind a paywall like that. So just completely rubbing that out, that makes sense to me. I think it really does send that whole conversation as a whole, though, of like what the modding community is supposed to be. Hmm. And initially, it was just meant to be, like I said, it was just fans doing cool stuff to add on to things. Like we've seen, it used to just be like, hey here's like a cheat code or hey here's like this you know funny like meme thing to it and you see of what it's become now like you look at the mods you can see in games like skyrim and and even now like a lot of mods that happen today are like better fixes for games that were brought horribly like cyberpunk again because i love making fun of them cyberpunk 2077 if you wanted to play the game in its best form you played it on pc because the modding community made it better faster before cd project red got on top of it so Hmm. i i do think that there's a place for modding and i think if you know creators want to be able to get some sort of compensation for it there should be ways to do it i think patreon is a fantastic way to do it 
in terms of like, hey, I'm making this stuff, you know, if you want early access or, you know, what, or even if it's just a tip system, like if there was a way to have a tip system that wasn't like Patreon, because I guess Patreon system is kind of meant to be, you're providing something that you pay for to get to this area. So I guess there's that part of it too. If there was just a tip system, I guess it could work. I don't know though. I th- I think I really just fall into the camp of like the best case scenario. If, if you're a modder is you should be trying to get a job or this is your portfolio. Like we've been talking a couple of times on cartridge and quarters about a guy who's completely remaking the Sims hit and, or not the, uh, the Simpsons hit and run. And he's yeah. never going to release it. He's just showing that it's possible if you actually fucking try and we jokingly said this is going to get shut down before it gets out. And I'm like, yeah, but can we just do the right thing and give this guy a fucking job so he can actually do it legitimately for a company? That's to me, that's what you should be doing. Like if you're a Sims 4 creator, what you should be trying to do is developing a portfolio so that you can take that to an interview with Maxis or with any other company be like, hey, look what I can create. I think a lot of it is just it's a hobby. It's a passion project. And if you want to turn it into something monetarily, look for work. Like that's what it should, it should be a portfolio stuffer to me. But if there mm. is a way that we can devise where it's acceptable on both ends, and that's both us, the consumers and the companies that own the license to these games that they're modding. I think if there was a way to have a tipping system of some sort, I think that's the best way to do both sides happy because it's not something you have to pay for, but it also gives creators incentive to be like hey if we really make high quality somebody will tip us yeah i in this case i'm kind of on the side of yay like as weird as that sounds like from what i like reading between the lines they're saying hey we don't want any of our logos any of our associated things on this on your mods and we don't want you to be charging for it it sounds to me like there's some sort of legal concern that they have in that you know they're not sanctioning, they're not agreeing to, and they might be opening themselves up to some sort of legal trouble if they allow their logos and symbols to be on these paid mods that might break the game, might infer the game, might, I don't know. It just sounds like from a legal standpoint, some lawyer was like, we got a concern with this, the fact that we're charging for these, like these people are charging for these products and our logos are attached to them in some way and shape and form. I'm not a lawyer, I don't know all that, but it sounds to me like that is a problem there. And I'm with you. Like this, um, this system isn't like these games aren't yours. You, I mean, you own a copy of it, whatever. But you don't like you didn't build this game. It's not yours. Like you are taking something that someone else created and you are modifying it. I totally think, yeah, if you want to do it as a hobby, as a project, great. If you want to offer it for free to someone, sure, that's not hindering or infer- like inferring on the company. However, when you start charging for it, yeah, like this then raises problems. Like you're now getting into a money aspect which then causes issues and concerns for um, for the purchaser and then for the company as a whole. So I'm with you. I think, like, should there be a way to do it? Yeah, I think the fact that EA allows for people to do Patreons and do early access, great. But the fact that when content comes out, it needs to be available at some point to everyone for free, totally worth it, totally good. Because the other problem that you have is that maybe it's a situation that what you see with the game, like you might look at mods and be like, oh man, I want to buy The Sims because I like all these things that I see, not really that those are separate paid mods and then there might be an issue of, I don't know, false advertisement or something. I'm not a lawyer by any stretch of the imagination, but I can just, I can see some legal trouble for EA by not distancing themselves from these mods and also 
removing the pay feature from them as well. Yeah, I mean, the the core is, I mean, in this specific case too, it's EA also going like, hey, people are, we had a system in place where you're supposed to only early access these for so long and people mm-hmm. were not abiding by that. Yeah. And in EA's perspective, they're going, hey, this is content that's being designed for our game that we hold the trademark and licensing for and they're getting money for it no matter what we do. We need to tighten mm-hmm. that up. And that makes yeah. sense to me. Like, I don't have a problem with that. I know a lot of people think that EA is the second coming of, of Satan, which they are, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a correct decision at some point or a reasonable decision. And I think this is one that makes sense. I don't think for anything that is supposed to just be a fan-created, modifying, you know, some sort of, like, object for a game that they don't own, there should, realistically, they never should be charged to begin with. But we now live in a technology society or technological society that we have ways that you can get paid that isn't just throwing it on a storefront. So Mm. I think there are ways around that. And from what I understand, again, from reading it is they haven't completely removed it. It's just, they've really tightened up how long that early access period is. I think Mm. now it's just two weeks. I think that might be what it is now. I think they might just be tightening up the ship with that a bit. And if that's the case, that makes sense to me. Yeah. It sounds to me like EA was being quite, reasonable or generous with their with their policies and then people just took advantage of that i mean this has been a thing forever like Like, sims 4 has been out for a long time so like Mm. this has been happening for a while so the fact that you know we are this far in the game's life cycle and this is happening is it's kind of crazy to think that it took this long it also honestly because i just looked it up it was 2014 so we're almost 10 years it's eight years now yeah so like it makes me also wonder too and this is just me galaxy conspiracy braining this here. If That's what they're, hats on. If they're setting a standard now for when Sims 5 gets announced. That's a very fair point. I'm surprised it's been eight years for the Sims. Well, I mean, they can just release as many expansions as they want. Don't have to put any work into it. So I'm also surprised that the Sims are still a thing. Given, oh, being somebody who knows the community, it's not shocking. It's not oh. shocking at all. It's honestly no, like... It's honestly the hardcore version of Farmville. It's really just people like creating stuff. And I yeah. and I feel that too. I love building houses. Horribly <laughs> built, but I like building them. Are you are you of the camp of play the game properly, go to work, build the house, or are you cheat codes and just build the mansion? I try I try to play it once in a blue moon, but then I get mad because I realize, oh, this is what life looks like when you can get a job, get raises, get promoted, and actually live a comfortable life. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it kind of ironic that The Sims, which was supposed to be a simulation of life, is now better than... Is now 100% fantasy? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely, like, I'll do both, but I honestly have more of a preference of, like... And I still have a Sims world right now that I'm slowly been building, like, whenever I have a few, like like, an inkling to do it. And I'll just create more and more characters to add into the world until I completely fill the place up. And a lot, some of it's fictional, some of it's like actually taking from a creative license. Like I do have a few like Final Fantasy characters in there, like that I've tried to generate the best I can. Sometimes mods help with that. Free mods, might I add. So like, you know, I, there's a lot of things that I can do with it, and I understand why so many people are that deep into it. Which is why you see so, so many mods for that game because people love the idea of just creating like the, the best like like either best version of themselves or like the most random people on the planet 
Cool. Yeah, no, I, I was surprised. I thought you'd be a little bit more uh, against EA on this move, but I think I think we're both right. I think we're making some good points there. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to be okay. Like honestly, it doesn't make sense to just say like, yeah, people should just be able to charge five bucks for something that's in a game they don't own. Like that's that's the simple statement. It's they don't own the game. They don't own the license. Why should they just be allowed to throw something on a store and say five bucks, give it to me? Yeah, you can't do that. Because if that was the yeah. case, how many games would have been released that have been like cease and desisted a thousand times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even some of like the biggest ones, like Counter Strike, was a was a mod initially, right? Yeah, I think Team Fortress Two as well. Yeah, like in some cases, they take the mods and turn them into stuff. Because I think even Dota was is the same thing too. I'm pretty sure. Is it Dota or League of Legends? It's I one of the two. I mean, yeah. really, it's a fifty fifty shot. I'm pretty sure it's Dota. Mm. Yeah, and you're right. Like it does become a situation where you can make. Um, you can't make a career of it. Like they've got people who were modding a, I think it was a fallout London version. And like some of the mods there got hired up for Bethesda and stuff. So like, it's kind literally of the guys the that made Sonic mania were fan game creators and they mm-hmm. got hired to do Sonic mania. So it works. Yeah. yeah, it definitely does. And I think it's interesting too. Like it raises the question. Cause like the alternative is you look at something like what Bethesda is doing with the creative creation club. And that wasn't received well either. So it's no, like, because again, it was the idea of you had to, you had to pay hmm. for those. So which hmm. people went, no, hmm. no, I should be able to have that for free if I want to. It's this, but that also was, but that was then also, I believe the money was going, some of the money was going to the creators. Was it not? Yeah, but it still took away the the fact that like people were like, oh, so they're mods we have to pay for now. And that's where that uncomfortability came in. That's why I yeah. think like Patreon was supposed to be a good like middle ground because it was saying like, hey, if you want to support these creators, you can you can give them their Patreon money and you get the thing before everybody else does, but it still goes for free. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a good system, honestly. You know, if it's not a mm-hmm. tipping system, I think Patreon was and should still be like a good middle ground. Because it's a way for creators to get something, but it still means that their creations are going to be available regardless for people who don't want to put the money in. And I think that's reasonable. Agreed. All right, Adam, let's wrap up the show as always with our little game that we play called Trophy Stumpers. I give you 10 trophies. You have two guesses to guess which game it is. Listeners at home, see if you can get the game before Adam does. Adam, are you ready to go? Sure. I at least have a win now, so that's something to work off of. See if we can keep it going. Number one, brutality. You're just wanting me to guess Mortal Kombat right off the bat, but I'm not going to. Okay. Number two, Hunter Killer. Okay. Number three, Slaying with Style. Number four, Augmented. Can I make a funny guess? Because I'll waste one sure, of my two. Did you try to did you try to swerve me and do Doom Eternal? <laughs> uh, you'll have to find out. Well, that's that's one of my uh, guesses. Oh, is it one of your guesses? Yeah. No, it's not Doom Eternal. Damn. Oh, I thought you were just being like funny. Nope. Nope. No, I, I I told I was like, I'm gonna waste one of my guesses because it'll be worth it if this is right. <laughs> uh last one, bunker buster. Bunker buster. Huh. We've got brutality. Hunter Killer, Slaying with Style, Augmented, Bunker Buster. Okay, I don't have any other guess, so I'm obviously going to wait till the end unless I'm pretty sure I know. <laughs> Number six, Fight Hard, Die Well. 
die well. Okay. Uh, number seven, first contact. Okay. Uh, number eight, bomb returned. All right. Uh, number nine, pelican down. Right, what's the last one? Number 10, skyhook shot. Ooh. Once again, the 10 trophies are brutality, hunter killer, slaying with style, augmented, bunker buster, fight hard, die well, first contact, bomb returned, pelican down, and skyhook. Sorry, skyhook shot. That's hard. The pel like I'm trying to think of what the pelican is. That's that's Pelican's the one that bird. I feel like would lead me in a direction, but I don't. Pelican's a bird. Yeah, I know. Smartass. <laughs> <sighs> you need that list one more time? No. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here just because of some of the trophies kind of reminding me of multiplayer. Okay. Is this Halo Infinite? It is Halo Infinite. <laughs> Sir, well done. Well done. I wasn't sure if we were going to get there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Which ones kind of led you in that direction? The slaying so, like... with style was helping a lot. The mm -hmm. brutality one was kind of leading me in that direction, too. Mm -hmm. Give me the full list again. There was one more. I'm just trying to can't remember. So which the one ones it was I now. had was brutality, uh, hunter killer, because I believe some of the enemies are called hunters or something like that. So I figured that would kind of lead you there. Uh, slaying with style. You know, they always did like the slayer. Yeah. Well, that that's why I kind of lean in that direction too. Yeah. Augmented was kind of a hint towards Halo. Cause like, well, the sky hook shot. Cause I knew it was a big thing in infinite too. So that yeah. was also it. But there might uh, the Pelican obviously Pelican, Pelican down was supposed to be like, cause the, the airships are called Pelicans. Yeah. Right? That, I I'm sitting there being like, is that what those ships are called? Yeah. Cause I know uh, about the Banshee, but I couldn't think of the other one. What was, sorry, go ahead. I'm returned, like throwing the grenades back at like the other people, like that's yeah. one. Um, yeah, fight hard, die well is basically just completing the game on like master difficulty. Yeah, it might it might have been the bomb one that just maybe go like you know what this sounds like. I'm just gonna go off like what multiplayer would sound like with this stuff, and that was the yeah. closest one that kind of matched. Well done. I wasn't sure if you were to get there or not. The only the only like I, my brain started thinking Halo. The only thing that obviously tipped it was the hook shot because that's the big thing with the new one. That so. was that was like because I often try and like I don't want to give you these, but I don't want to like completely lead you down. Like I want it to be a fair thing, and like there's a million different Halo games, and I felt the the hook shot. There was nothing else that was like distinguishing it as halo infinite so that's why I, I left it as is yeah it's 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 fine i'll i'll accept that i somehow managed to pull that rabbit out of my ass hey you did it sir you did it i figure we haven't given any love to uh xbox in a little while so i want to kind of throw them a bone with that well one. every once in a while too you have to sit there and be like are you gonna throw an xbox one at me even though it's called trophy stumpers like my brain goes hey. like well, We've the Xbox said exclusive yeah. because usually most of the games we talk about are multi-platform. <clears throat> yeah. No, we just call it Trophy Stump as, as a as an homage to Trophy Hunters. So that also still reminds me that I haven't played this yet, and I and because I have an Xbox now, I should. But yeah, I feel like that's one of the, like the quintessential ones to play. Well, I also haven't enjoyed a Halo game in a long time because I didn't really like three much. I never played um, four ODSP? or I did play Reach, but I didn't. 
wait, no, not Reach. It's ODST and there's no, it was Reach. Halo 5 that I played, and I didn't like that okay. one very much either. So I was sitting there being like, do I really want to play Infinite? But who knows? You know, I figure if I got a if I got a series X, I might as well at least try to play it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you find that I am going too easy on Adam, feel free to always come in with your suggestions, your tips, your suggestions, or your own trophy list for trophy stumpers. You can email them to us at pixelplaypodcast at gmail.com or just shout out to us on our socials. We have a Discord where you can come and chat with us, share your trophy stumpers there, uh, Twitter or Instagram at pixelplaycast. Um, Adam, I think that's a show for us. Uh, Any closing thoughts, anything you want want to talk about before we log off for for the week? Uh, apart from Returnal being good and you trying to hang in there for Elden Ring before you replay a really bad game that is totally bad and I don't know why anybody likes it. Uh, no. So wrong on so many levels <laughs> you So, go back to Last of Us. Did you ever, like, did you finish and play the whole game or re- did you play I for a pl- bit and you're like, I'm out? I honestly played maybe two hours before I went, I don't like the controls at all with this and this story is not grabbing me. There's no reason for me to continue this. The story didn't. The story didn't grab you. Nope. You're you're broken, sir. I've you're also broken. been told several times that Last of Us Two is one of the most depressing games ever, and I said, and I quote, "Then I definitely should not be playing that game." I don't know if it's the most depressing game of all time. I mean, I have definitely... three different people that have verified this to me, so. I wouldn't say it's depressing, but it's bleak. Like, and that's the thing of Last of Us. It's supposed or to be like, bleak. Or like, at the very least, like if depressing is the wrong word, it's a uh, very negatively, st- like, fulling, stressing. Oh yeah, no, it's it's definitely not a fun, happy game, but like, it's really good. In which case, that's why I probably wouldn't like it anyway. It's because in the same reason that I don't watch a lot of anime that's meant to be like sad and depressing. Because I'm like, dude, I'm watching anime. I just want to be smile and laugh. That's all I want. Now, to be fair, the first one isn't uh, as depressing or bleak or whatever. It It is a bit more heartfelt and, like, it has good moments and stuff. Like, Except in the beginning when they try to make you have emotions for a character you've met for 10 minutes. To max. Oh, yeah. No, like, but, like, it, it's all about those. Like, you need to have that moment uh, in order to have, like, to get the payoff of the other moments. I get, well, I guess the other, because I've, I've told people over over a lot of times, like, again, like, ha- like spoiler, but, like, they kill off. Uh, what's what you thought would have been a major character very early in the game and i i've i've told a lot of people like yeah like i don't understand like i know why it's supposed to be a big deal but i don't know how why i'm supposed to feel like that and they're like wait you didn't feel anything watching that cutscene i'm like no because the character existed for five minutes what talking the first one the first yeah the first one oh yeah no that's like a huge one that's a huge element of his sarah Yeah, Sarah. Yeah, no, I didn't care at all. Also, I'm not a parent, so I guess that that doesn't help. Dude, that that moment's like so heartfelt. Like it's so sad and depressing. It would have been more sad and heartfelt and depressing if I'd been into that game for like two hours, two three hours, and that happened not literally as soon as the game started. Game, no, they don't need to make you like. It's not about you feeling that emotion for Sarah. It's about you seeing where Joel's coming from. Nope. Gotta care about the person if I'm gonna care that they died. Oh my god. Final Fantasy 15 made that I, I, mistake too. It kills people off and goes, Isn't it isn't it sad that this person died? And I went, I've seen them for five minutes. I don't care. I can't even with you right now. <laughs> I'm a heart I'm a cold, heartless bitch. What can I say? No, you just are like, I can't feel anything unless I've like spent twenty four hours with this game character. 
I don't care if they're inconsequential. I mean, I played Trails of Cold Steel 3. Oh man, did I cry like a bitch when that happened. And that was 60 hours, so believe me, it works. No. no, no, you need to have time. You need to be like, don't waste my time. And that's exactly what they didn't, what they did. They didn't waste my time. Mm-hmm. You can, you can just Anyways. have the wrong opinion. <laughs> we are, how far are we away from this? We are a little bit more than one, two, three, four weeks away from the game. I cannot wait. Elden Ring, you better get going because you got four weeks until Last of Us comes out. And then I'm out. Well, you have fun with that. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been the Pixel Play Podcast for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you're still here, if you've gone through the banter and you're just shaking your head at Adam, please go leave a review wherever you're listening to our podcast. If you uh, don't mind, we'd really appreciate if you go to youtube.com and subscribe to us. We'd greatly appreciate We're working our way towards 100 listeners. We are still kind of on track, but we're kind of slipping, so we kind of appreciate if you did that. Thank you so much, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye for now.